Today on Points for Trying, we're looking at alternative ways of getting into space. Rockets? Where we're going, we don't need rockets. Hey everyone, welcome back to Points for Trying. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jessica. And together, we celebrate ideas and inventions that were unsuccessful, forgotten, or just plain weird. I know sometimes we talk about the drinking game that goes along with this podcast, where you take a drink every time we mention space. I'm not a doctor, but I wouldn't recommend playing that game for this particular episode. I agree. In this particular episode, the only way that you should play that drinking game is with water and hydrate. In biblical times, the ancient Babylonians dreamed of a tower that reached into the heavens. In the middle of the 20th century, scientists said, hold my slide rule and started seriously considering how to make one. It's called a geostationary orbiting tether, which pretty much everyone calls a space elevator. Making a space elevator would involve three basic steps. First, build a tower near the equator about 50 kilometers high, which would be 60 times taller than the tallest building in the world. Then, put an asteroid in geostationary orbit at least 36,000 kilometers above the Earth. Then, just connect those two points with a really strong tether, and you got yourself a space elevator. You'll also need a machine that can travel up and down the tether, and a way to deliver power to that machine, but worry about that later. You've just finished building the biggest structure in human history, so you deserve a break. Okay, middle of the 20th century, right? 1950s. Yeah, around that. Give or take. Even then, we had airplanes. And I can't understand how they didn't think that an airplane would crash into that. <laughs> if you've ever run into a spider web that you don't see, but you just catch that edge of the strand of the spider web, mm -hmm. that is what I imagine this would be like for anything large, like an airplane <laughs> going around. To be fair, there are tall buildings somewhat near airports and airplanes can fly around them. <laughs> if they have the correct flight pattern, yes. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't build too many of these things, or, or else you know, planes would have to fly around them. But I, I think, you know, one or two might work. I'll buy that for 50 bucks. Don't worry, somebody actually made a Kickstarter project to try and bootstrap this construction. Because I like nothing better than to have my rocket scientists funded by Kickstarter. <laughs> Board games, great. Rocket scientists, also great. Yeah, it's called Liftport. This one wasn't technically for an orbital space elevator, but one that kind of got part of the way into the sky. It had an $8,000 goal and raised over $110,000. So, hey, somebody's trying out there. I was looking at the videos on this Kickstarter webpage for this. And what's very interesting is that besides it being early 2000s CGI, they were initially talking about sending something close to the moon, having this elevator go from that object down to the moon as like a starter idea, mm -hmm. because it would take a while to get from us on Earth to the moon. Right. It basically just looks like an easier way to get people from a hypothetical space station to wherever they're going, right? Yeah, essentially the, the idea is like a train from the surface of a planet to orbit around that planet. The idea is most often talked about in context of an elevator from the surface of the Earth into space, 
But since the moon is a lot smaller, you could build one on the moon that would be a lot smaller and a lot easier to construct. So, you know, if people were living on the surface of the moon and they needed to get between the moon and orbit around the moon, you know, this would be an easy way. That would be cool. Moon colonies, and this is how you get up to the little space shuttle that will take you back to Earth or take you to another asteroid with colonies on it. First, we need, you know, actual moon colonies. But yeah, we'll, we'll get there. They said, ah, we've been to the moon. We've been there, done that. Let's keep going, guys. Keep going. <laughs> the biggest benefit of the space elevator would be the ability to get all the way to orbit using only electricity. One of the biggest risks is an impact with space junk. But the tether could be repaired after small strikes and moved out of the way of large debris. A NASA report suggested that we think of the space elevator as a 36,000-kilometer-long highway that will require ongoing maintenance and repair. But after seeing how America maintains its actual highways, no thank you. Nope, not even a little bit. Sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the space junk. Yeah. That is a huge problem and actually legitimately is a problem now with satellites and running into other satellites. There's going to be a point of no return. And I just wish that we could put up a giant net. <laughs> or, ooh, no, like whack-a-mole, right? But you just whack it into the Earth's atmosphere so everything burns up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's probably another episode of Points for Trying at some point because there are experiments on how to deorbit space junk. And there are some ideas and, and some actual experiments that are being run right now. I recently saw that they're planning on decommissioning the International Space Station in 2031, and that the intent is to have it come down, I forget where they said, the Pacific Ocean, maybe? Yeah, most satellites and other deorbiting space junk targets the Pacific Ocean because it's so big. NASA plans to crash the International Space Station into the Pacific Ocean in 2031. Oh, that makes me so sad. Well, what's going to make me sad is that it plans to decommission it in 2030. Uh, it's just like Venice. If you want to see it, you really got to get there pretty soon. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if we'll ever see a, a space elevator, but in theory, it would be a game changer. A NASA report estimated that the payload cost of getting into orbit could be as low as $10 a kilogram. And to compare that to some other real-world costs, by far the cheapest rocket right now in existence is the Falcon Heavy, made by SpaceX, and that costs a little over $2,000 a kilogram. $2,000? That's a lot. You said $10 a kilogram for this one? Yes. I could get to space, in theory, for less than $800. <laughs> there are a lot of places that I can't get to on Earth for less than $800. Yeah. For some even more comparison, the space shuttle cost about $18,000 per kilogram. Oh, that's so expensive. Oh, I know. Using a space elevator would mean that a shuttle launch would have cost around $17,000 instead of, like, the half billion dollars it cost in real life. See, billion with a B is just so far beyond what I can fathom that it's not a real number. Well, it was real when you paid for it in your tax dollars all those times that they launched space shuttles. Oh boy. There's just something great about like a, a highway into space where we, we don't have to use rockets. There's just infrastructure that's connecting the ground into the sky. I mean, this, this would be a pretty badass idea. Plus, it's easier to do than building a highway to hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess I didn't think about this, but Led Zeppelin was also an early space pioneer with Stairway to Heaven. Oh, as were actual Zeppelins. Man, this is so meta. <laughs> Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is this would be a great use for carbon nanotubes. The limiting factor for the space elevator is just the material strength of, you know, whatever you make it out of. And most materials, if you made a tether tens of thousands of kilometers long, would break under their own weight. But carbon nanotubes theoretically have enough strength to actually make a tether this long and, and for it to actually hold its own weight up. Maybe it will happen. Before we hear from our sponsors, um, I would like to give a shout out to my coworker Sarov for mentioning this idea. And I don't know, do you, do you have any other thoughts about the space elevator? I was trapped in an elevator one time and we were just going from the second floor to the, the lobby. I cannot imagine getting stuck in this elevator <laughs> because it took us a long time. Not so long that we had to choose which one of the corners was going to be the bathroom. Oh, no. <laughs> but I could see where this could be detrimental in a space elevator that is that long. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, if you get stuck halfway up, there's really nothing outside but the vacuum of space. So nobody can hear your screams when you're halfway up the elevator. <laughs> I don't think a handsome firefighter is going to force the door open and save you. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Today's episode of Points for Trying is brought to you by gravity. In these trying times, no one wants to worry about flying off into the vacuum of space, and that's where gravity comes in. For millions of years, gravity has been helping organisms large and small stay near the surface of the Earth where they belong. With all the uncertainty in the world right now, it's comforting to know that gravity will be there for you, whether you want it or not. Gravity, always there to bring you back down to Earth. When it comes to launching something into space, it doesn't get much simpler than throw it into the air really, really hard. But that's exactly what a new startup plans to do. Their name is Spin Launch, and that's also their two-step process for getting to orbit. First, spin, then launch. It's basically the shake and bake of space travel. <laughs> shake, then bake, spin, then launch. It's right there in the name. Couldn't be easier. For those of you that were with us last season, this in the video reminds me very much of the centrifugal force to catch the babies that were being birthed. Yes, the centrifugal baby launcher. I actually wrote that in my notes. <laughs> it's basically that, but for spaceships. <laughs> Think of the spin launcher as a carnival tilt-a-whirl on steroids. And instead of making you throw up, it throws you into the upper atmosphere. Inside of a vacuum chamber, a payload is attached to the end of an arm that spins around, building up momentum. At just the right moment, and I mean just the right moment, the arm lets go and the payload flies out of one end, hopefully going up. Okay, here's what you got to understand. First off, don't read the patent because the patent broke my brain. <laughs> but when you look at this video, 
essentially there's the payload inside of a rocket and then the rocket is put into this arm and it spins and spins and spins and spins and throws it, right? So imagine a discus thrower in the Summer Olympics, spinning, spinning, spinning. The discus portion is the rocket and the payload. And then the arm of the discus thrower is the actual like arm that's spinning around and then it throws. Yeah, and just like a discus thrower, have you ever been throwing something like that or or seen someone let go at the wrong time and it goes in very much the wrong direction? Timing. It's everything. Yeah, that but with enough energy to get something into orbit means you're going to have a bad day. This isn't just a disc winds up in the bleachers. Oh my gosh, I just thought of something. What if there's something, a satellite, a plane, a zeppelin? I don't know. (laughs) Zeppelins? Listen, who's to say what the future holds? So to answer your question, yes, they would have to time it around when things are, are not right above it, which regular rockets have to do too. So, you know, it wouldn't be a huge challenge. Valid point. They establish no-fly zones around rocket launches. When the payload reaches its maximum altitude, a rocket ignites and takes it the rest of the way to space. The big advantage of this system is twofold. First, it only takes a small rocket, because it's being hurled through the upper atmosphere. Second, the energy from the spin-launch process could come from electricity instead of rocket fuel. And most importantly, this lets the company plaster the words green and sustainable all over their marketing materials. (laughs) True. So this idea isn't completely unprecedented. The idea of, you know, throwing a rocket up into the air and letting it go the rest of the way is really similar to what's called air-launched rockets, where they strap a rocket to the bottom of an airplane The airplane flies up as high as it can, lets the rocket go, and then the rocket goes up. And uh, some companies actually do this. Uh, They actually are these small rockets that are dropped from a a commercial airliner because a lot of the fuel and structures and weight is used up in the first few minutes of a rocket launch. So if you can just start from a few thousand feet in the air, that's actually a huge advantage. So thinking like a swimmer, When you are pushing off of a wall, you have the wall as a stationary object and you use your feet and you and your legs and you push off and you glide through the water, right? Mm -hmm. However, if you were to turn around halfway through and you just turn around and you start in the middle of the water, there's nothing to push off of and it actually always felt like I was using up more energy. So I understand conceptually that this would take up less fuel, but it also feels like you're pushing against nothing. You don't have that wall there, so to speak. Well, if you're thinking about it in terms of swimming, I think a good way of imagining it is, what if you were just in the middle of the pool and had to start from a standstill versus if somebody tossed you and you're already have some speed and you're facing the right way and you dive into the water and you've got like a a head start. Okay, I can see that. That makes sense to me. And this is kind of what it is. It's it's that first push to get it on its way. In October of 2021, SpinLaunch actually conducted a test of a scaled-down prototype, although they were very vague about the results. Using a 33-meter-wide vacuum chamber, they launched a 3-meter-long projectile into the air at, quote, supersonic speeds, which then reached tens of thousands of feet in altitude. 
It's too early to tell if they're the next SpaceX or the next Theranos, but it's impressive that they got to this point without anything exploding. I really like the supersonic speeds. They're being very vague about this. Tens of thousands of feet. (laughs) I have tens of thousands of pennies to my name. How many tens of thousands, we'll never know. (laughs) I think there's three possibilities, and I, I honestly don't know which one is which. One, this is a complete scam. Two, the, the company uh, was founded and employs people that legitimately are trying to make a new way to reach space, and it's probably not going to work. Or three, maybe they figured something out, and they know something that we don't. You know, scam, people in over their head, or some sort of secret sauce they've got. It sounds to me, because I want to believe the best in people, that they are looking at a problem set of we won't have fossil fuels forever, and trying to figure out a way to continue space exploration while minimizing the use of fossil fuels. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, bearish on this. I don't think it's going to work, but I hope it does, because this would be an amazing capability. There's some drawbacks. One is when the payload is spinning on the end of this arm, there's a lot of force on it. There's centrifugal force. So not everything could be launched this way. There's some things that just wouldn't be able to withstand that force. Right. Plus, every time someone calls it centripetal force, they say, nope, you don't get to use this. Get the heck out of our line. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm not going to get into the debate versus centrifugal force and centripetal acceleration. <laughs> I think we dipped our toe in this during the baby launcher episode. Right, because didn't they call it centripetal in their paperwork? They called it one thing and it was the other or something? I think they called it centrifugal, and the correct scientific definition would be centripetal acceleration. But people use the word centrifugal force all the time, and it's a commonly understood concept. So I just use that in day-to-day speech. Friends, if you haven't figured it out yet by this point, I am not a scientist. (laughs) And I'm a scientist, but not a pedantic one, so let's move on. I am pedantic and not a scientist. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we make such a good pair. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Obviously, uh, you would never be able to launch people, at least not if you wanted them to be alive when they reached space. (laughs) Oh, so the, the whole thing of this, it's this big, you know, merry-go-round arm thing that spins around, and it's in a vacuum chamber, so the whole thing is, is sealed up. And at the moment of release, when it starts going up, they have like a really thin membrane, and it just punches right through it, which I think is a great idea. Like, there's no door that opens up really fast. It just goes, boosh. It, it Kool-Aid mans its way into space. <laughs> Okay, for either one of these, do you think that either one has merit or could happen? Or my thought is no for the first one and maybe for the second. For how likely they are to actually be successful and be economically competitive, I'm putting both of them down as a one out of 10. (laughs) But how badly I want to see them, they're both a 10 out of 10. I think a good improvement on the spin launch is, well, one, the whole point is to get small rockets high up into the atmosphere, which means it would benefit if the spin launcher itself was as high up as possible. 
And since this already kind of seems like a villain super weapon, why not just build it into the top of a volcano? (laughs) I can just picture it now. Gru and all of the minions. I do have an improvement on the space elevator. Okay. Just go with me on this. All right. Space escalator. (laughs) Like a space elevator, but if you want to get to space a little bit quicker, you can walk up. You'll get there a little bit faster. It it can kind of be like a spiral that wraps around the equator. just keeps like twisting around and around until it gets to space. And you can have a slide that comes back down through the middle of it so that you don't have those... Have you ever been on a spiral staircase at one of the really old, like, watchtowers or something? You can't get up because someone's trying to get down? Yep, yep. There you go. Well, uh, if we're going that far, I'm thinking space fire pole. You know, you take the escalator up, and then you just fire pole all the way down. really hope you don't lose grip strength. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to be wearing gloves because space is very cold, so your hands are going to get chapped up. This sounds like fun. I I don't see anything wrong with it. I think that's a great way to do it. Plus, the space elevator is kind of a tether anyway. So, yeah, maybe to go down, you just kind of hang on to it. Okay, it's that time again. Does it get points for trying? Space elevator, go. Uh, The space elevator gets one point for finishing what the Babylonians started. If we ever actually make a space elevator, it'll be the culmination of an idea that started with the Tower of Babel. So just gets the one point? It also gets a point for being related to nanotubes, because I think we're going to have to dive into nanotubes at a certain point on this show. I think it's a little ironic that the nanotubes are going to be the thing that takes us in one long elevator to space. Oh. Little, little, little to really, really big. We're going to have to name them like megatubes. (laughs) For me, the space elevator gets a half a point because I think it could potentially be beneficial when we have lunar colonies or colonies on asteroids to get them from that location to the waiting space station or the waiting spaceship that would take them back to Earth or wherever they're going next. So in this world that already doesn't exist, I think there's some potential for it in the future. And whoever was supposed to be making moon colonies... You get minus one point, because what the fuck, man? They're like 70 years late. And where's my flying car? (laughs) (laughs) I told you we're going to get to flying cars at one point on this show. All right, all right. So next one up, spin launch. Well, I think it gets a point for putting a high-tech spin on a concept that's been around for a while. I like it. I like it. I I had to. I know. I'm not sorry. As you shouldn't be. And it gets minus half a point for missing the opportunity to call it the space catapult. Okay. Well, for centuries, we've been, you know, flinging dead horses over castle walls. (laughs) And wouldn't it be poetic to become a, a more advanced, highly evolved species that flings useful things into Earth orbit? Space trebuchets. Yes, space trebuchet. I think it gets a point for potentially being useful to get things up into orbit. I also think it gets a point for looking pretty cool. When you see the actual picture of what it looks like, it looks like a giant bee of like the Beats headphones. Oh my god, you're right. And the video looks pretty freaking cool from the inside. So I think that it gets a point for just how cool it looks. 
the Beats by Dre logo, they missed a branding opportunity. <laughs> he could have helped. He could have helped kickstart them. I'd also like to give a point to a really funny commenter on SpaceNews.com. Uh, Roberto Juan posted a picture of one of the first attempts of the spin launch system, and it's one of those human cannonball guys that's just coming out of the cannon. <laughs> I love it. Uh, whoever you are, you get a point for a very, very funny comment. So we have the rare tie today. Space Elevator and Spin Launch both get 2.5 points. And Mr. Roberto Juan gets one. And if you make any space elevators or space catapults, I will personally give you 10 points. We'll give you more points if you call it the space trebuchet. All right, fair enough. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, if at first you don't succeed, tell us about it.